It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Roker Report Extra podcast. Yes, I'm back. Graham, if you didn't recognise the voice. And to talk about the match on Saturday in Shrewsbury, which I believe is in Shropshire, I've just recently found out, um, <laughs> is Glyn from the Salop Cat. How are you doing, mate? I'm OK, thank you. Can you remember the last time we played Shrewsbury or the last time you played us, should I say? Uh, I, I was not even born. I mean, well, I was born. I think I was about six or well, nine years of age. I think it was 1989, I think it was something like that. And um, yeah, oh God, I mean, you know, I was I was I only started going when I was about 11 myself. So it's just a little bit before my time. But um, yeah, you've certainly been and seen the world and been up to the higher echelon since you last played us, that's for sure. It's been a while. The last time, apparently, and I'm saying this because I've got the stat cat in front of me, which if anyone hasn't seen it, the stat cat is basically like, the encyclopedia of every Sunderland game. And I, I like to think I'm a bit of an encyclopedia myself, but even Shrewsbury, I had to look back a little bit. Take out the Cup game a few years ago. The last yep. time we played at Shrewsbury, it was the 24th of September, 1988. We drew 0-0. You got relegated at the end of the season. And we had <laughs> notable names, Eric Gates, Colin Pascoe, Gordon Armstrong, and Gary Bennett and John Kay, of course. Whereas Shrewsbury... You had Alan Irvin, Mickey uh-huh. Brown, Mickey Thomas, oh, Dave Geddes, Richard Green, and Steve Perks. Did any of those names ring uh, a bell? Mickey Brown is a, a club legend. He's our all-time uh, record appearance holder. Um, mm. And he played for us in three different spells. Sort of left, went to Preston, left, went back to Preston, then came back. And I think he may, maybe ended up at another smaller club then. And, and he ended his, his career with Shrewsbury Town after something like 500-odd games in his last season, uh, scoring a goal that basically saved us from getting relegated to the conference. So he's got a very storied history, Mickey Brown. But yeah, some of those players are actually some of our more sort of well-respected players. Because I think the year we got relegated was down into like, I think it was from the the, pre- the championship down to League One as it was then. So that was the highest we'd ever been in our history at that point in time, I think. So yeah, it was sort of the end of our sort of glory years, really. And we went into a pretty dull patch from sort of the, the late 80s through to sort of the mid 90s with the occasional sort of, of sort of recovery a bit. But yeah, not the greatest period from that point onwards, really. You caught us at the end of our good period. And very, very interestingly... There was a man on your team that replaced Alan Irvin. I'm guessing Alan Irvin is the the former West Brom manager. Yeah, yeah. In the 64th minute, the biggest (laughs) twat, I think I can use the word, that I've (laughs) ever, ever seen cross the doors of Sunderland Football Club came on as a substitute, David Moyes. Oh, Moisey, yeah, he's he's a bit of a legend at our club as well for his playing uh, history. And um, 
obviously played for us for a fair few seasons and was probably one of our better centre-backs during the 80s and, and early 90s and obviously moved on to have a good career and then obviously, you know, did what he did at Everton and built himself a good managerial career. So, yeah, well well remembered and well respected around Shrewsbury. And the, the, the funniest thing was he's been back um, to Shrewsbury twice as a manager, once when he was in charge of Everton um, in the mid-2000s where we had a season where we did eventually get relegated to the conference. And during that season, our ramshackle team actually beat Everton in an FA Cup game at the, new, at the Old Meadow. And it was like probably the best game I've been to as, as a, as a you know, Shrewsbury Town fan. And then recently, last season, he came back as manager of West Ham with, with our old uh, goalkeeper, Joe Hart, in goal as well. So, yeah, he's been back a few times as manager. But, um, yeah, obviously not quite as well respected around your parts as probably he still is in no. <laughs> no, he's definitely not. I've got to be honest. I think I think David Moyes is my least favourite person on the planet. Oh. Not, just, not just football related. He's just a dour bastard, isn't he? And pardon mm. my French. People say I swear too much in this, but I'm mentioning David Moyes. I'm sure we let off this week for that because David Moyes is a... <laughs> pain in my ass, and he, he made me fall out of love for football did David Moyes and oh, me yeah. and many others yeah he's just a dour depressive guy um, that, that stoic Scottish mentality that you probably haven't fallen in love with was why he was a good defender for us do you know what I mean because you didn't, you didn't mess with him when he's a player I mean we didn't have as a manager so we never had to experience the issues you went through but as a player you know he was pretty much you know, wore his heart on his sleeve and was a good battler. And, and as a, as a Shrewsbury Town fan and as a, a lower league fan, you know, that's all you want to see, really. Battlers and people who put their put their body on the line for it. But I can completely understand. And I'm sure that Man United fans would completely agree with you as well. And everywhere else, he's gone and wrecked clubs. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think so, yeah. Everyone apart from Everton and Shrewsbury exactly. maybe yeah. have yeah. something against him. And I can understand that. Um, <laughs> but, but less of David Moyes, because that reminds me of the years of Julian Lescott and Stephen Bloody Pino. Oh um, moving forward, I'm actually a little bit happier these days. Um, I've actually managed to see Sunderland win for once. It was a yeah. big, long thing, and people were asking me to stop going because every time I went, it was just <laughs> the games I missed. I'm a season ticket holder. It was just the games I missed. We didn't win, and we had that big, long run of games where like, we didn't win at home for almost a calendar year, and it was just getting ridiculous. Jeez. But now, now the duck's gone, I thought I'd, I'd risk myself and I'd, I'd go away from home. Um, so I'm down to Shrewsbury from Scotland on Saturday. It's actually not that bad of a journey unless you, you know, check on the credit card, which is quite expensive. You talk about not seeing very many wins, but we've only won two all season. So I kind of know what that feels like. And I live five, five minutes down the road from my ground, not, you know, we're traveling from Scotland. So, yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah. Well, speaking, speaking to you and a few of the guys, uh, obviously, as part of the podcast, and I think both of you have all said, don't worry, you're going to get nothing but depression. So I'm going to ask, and I'm going to let you go on a bit of a rant here. <laughs> Paul Hurst, last season, we said, you know, going into the new season, wouldn't mind that bloke. I think before Coleman came in, wouldn't mind him. Yep. So he, he goes to Ipswich, Shrewsbury sit in 17th. You've had a very up and down sort of season. So what's yep. happened since that happened? A lot, in all honesty. I mean, Paul Hurst was, was building himself quite a legendary status at our football club for what he'd done last season. And, you know, as, as a Southern fan, you probably don't know too much about Shrewsbury as a football club. But as I say, we've, you know, flirted down in, in League Two for most of our or sort of more recent history. And um, got back up into League One about five years ago, dropped down for a season, came straight back up. So we're sort of establishing ourselves now as a, as a League One club and a, and a pretty decent, you know, good average mid-table League One club, you'd like to think. <clears throat> so... Paul Hurst came in, um, you know, 18 months uh, before the end of last summer, sort of um, the end of the last season before last and then all of last season. And then within that 18 months, he turned us around from battling against relegation to being, you know, a playoff game away from going to the championship, which would have been in this day and age for a club with our budget and, and the amount of money we spend and the fact we're, you know, owned by a local businessman that's not flush. We're not, you know, got some massive investment behind us to have done that would have been 
you know, to us, exactly the same as Leicester winning the Premiership. It would have been that miraculous. And we were so close. And we were close last season in terms of almost getting the automatic places and obviously beaten out by Blackburn and Wigan, who, you know, were in a different ballpark to us. And then obviously lost out to Rotherham again, who are a pretty, pretty rich club compared to us. So we were really unlucky. And Paul Hurst was, as I say, had this legendary status up until about the playoff final. Um, and then he sort of manufactured his, his way out of the football club in quite a, a snidey way, really. And it, it kind of, you know, left a few people with a bit of a bit of taste in their mouth. So he moved on to Ipswich where it's not gone swimmingly for him and, and we looked for a new manager. So the principle that we went with was to try and find a manager like Paul Hurst who'd been working his way through the, the, the lower leagues. He'd obviously done really well with Grimsby. Um, so we thought we'd have a look at see who'd been doing well in the conference. Obviously, John Askey's name was, was, was around because he'd won the conference at Macclesfield, got them into the Football League, seemed like a similar sort of fit to what we'd had going on. And that all seemed to be looking like that was a good plan. As it's turned out, they're very different characters. And, um, you know, I don't think Lightning has struck twice so far with John Askey. And we can probably talk about some of the things that have been going on this season. But um, that's where we've got to now in terms of the managerial change. And, and the most interesting about this whole managerial merry-go-round is John Askey left Macclesfield to come to us. They're bottom of their league. They haven't won for 34 games. Sacked their manager already. Obviously, Askey came to us. We're 17th. I've been down the bottom the whole season, not doing brilliantly. And he's now, you know, some of our fans are asking for him to go after 13 games. And then Paul, Paul Hurst has gone to Ipswich where it's gone terribly. So the whole thing's been a bit of a disaster for all three clubs, really. Yeah, it hasn't really worked out. Did you not fancy having David Moyes back? I can. Uh, well, I, I can't recommend the guy enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I don't think we can afford David Moyes. That's the sad thing about it. And I think you know we are we're not shopping in the in the realms of these championship managers that maybe come sometimes take a step down to manage like a, a slightly bigger League One club who've fallen on hard times and bring them back up. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at sort of managers who are trying to make their way for themselves and and but, you know, despite the way it ended with Paul Hurst, he he was fantastic for us. And, and last season was probably. As I say, I talked to you before the podcast about my age. I'm 36. I've been going since I was about 11. Um, and in terms of seasons, that last season was my favourite season ever. It was just victory after victory at clubs. We would never be in a level that we hadn't been at for a long time. Um, and just we got to the Czech trade final, obviously lost that in, in, in against Lincoln, which was unlucky. And, um, you know, the whole thing was a complete roller coaster. It was brilliant, but we came out of it enough at the end of it. So it was a bit of a gutter at the end. I forgot that you got to the final of the checker trade. Now, the yeah. checker trade, because because it's been a little bit devalued, if you want, the past few years with the, the under-23 thing. And we had, obviously, our under-23 team in not that long ago, and now it's our first yeah. team. And it's kind of like a, a, a jokey thing with Sunderland, where we're like, oh, well, if we get to Wembley, you know, what what if? But what's it like playing at Wembley at the checker trade? Is, is that, because I quite fancy that, if I'm honest with you. It's absolute shit. To be honest with you, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> for a club like us, it was, you know, you'd probably sell it out, you know, and you sell your end out twice over probably. For us, Shrewsbury Town fans have got one stadium in the entire country they never, ever want to step foot back into, and it is Wembley. Because as a football club, we've been there five times in our history, that's it. Twice in what is the Checker Trade Trophy, lost both of those finals. Three times in playoff finals, lost all three of those playoff finals. So we have a zero uh, win ratio out of five, which I believe we have the worst record on a game per game basis at the new Wembley than any club in British football, which is pretty impressive, to be fair. So and for us, it's just a it's a ball ache to get down there. You know, we take 14 to 16,000 at a push. So the atmosphere is OK, but everyone spreads out and it isn't it isn't brilliant. And you normally at the Checker Trade final, you're not playing a team with a massive amount of fans anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that lots of other fans would say, oh, it's good and we'd love to get to the final of the Czech Trade Trophy. It'd be something to aim for at the end of the season. But uh, along with that terrible record and the reason I hate Wembley and also the fact that, to be honest with you, I boycott Czech Trade games because much like you described before about having your under-21 team in it, as a Football League fan, who's always been a Football League fan, 
having under 21 teams in this competition has devalued it to the point that it is no longer worth supporting. Um, so a lot of our fans boycotted it. And, and that's why we didn't take as many to Wembley last time as, as probably we did the times before. I just think the whole thing needs to go back to how it was. And I know it wasn't well attended then and they're trying to re- trying to buff it up and all this bullshit about why it's going to help English football. You know, I've seen some of these checker trade games before, before I stopped going and, you know, they, they're just, they're not helping English football. It's they're terrible games a lot of the time. No one's really getting any experience. And if it is, it was the premiership teams playing a bunch of kids from Belgium and Holland and, you know, not all the English kids getting the improvement. So if you're going to talk to anyone ever on this podcast, who's negative about the checker trade trophy, I'll be surprised if there's anyone worse than me. No, I, you know what? I kind of agree. We, we've had our first taste of being a, like a, a lower league team this season mm. as opposed to being yeah. the premiership team that gets the privilege of playing our, our like younger players. And I think the game against Carlisle, like I, I bought the stream, I watched it. I I kind of thought, because it was Sunderland first team versus Carlisle first team, they had like, it, I quite liked that. But when we played against Stoke under 23s, I couldn't give a, a flying. Pointless. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't care less. Like not bothered, not interested. If it was just league teams, it's just a lower league like trophy, which you know you want to be. Yeah, yeah, that's what you yeah. that's what you want. But I, I'd say in that my last trip to Wembley was pretty pretty fun. Sunderland fans will know this, and I won't labour on it too much. But we had we had quite a bit of fun in Covent Garden last time, um, <laughs> so I wouldn't mind doing that again. But hopefully with a different result. So uh, it, it is a shame. I mean, normally Wembley should be the pinnacle of, of your yeah. football sporting history, shouldn't it? But it, it, you know we've we've you know we tried this whole thing this time on the very last one, the the, the playoff final. We went with this whole reverse the curse because you know, we consider ourselves to be cursed at Wembley having this bad record now um, and we've got all this merchandise made and everybody got behind it a little bit actually for the playoff final it was really well supported it was probably the playoff final was probably our best experience at Wembley the fans really engaged with it it was a good atmosphere pre-match the weather was was boiling hot it was one of those summer days you know that we had this year and, and it was a fantastic occasion but the town just let themselves down again they couldn't get the job done and this time we got as far as extra time and we still we still couldn't get promoted or get a win at Wembley so we, it was probably the closest we came this year but yeah I don't know if we ever go back there it's just going to feel like a ball leg. yeah I mean we, we've we not got the greatest of histories I think take out <laughs> 73 I think although we did get beaten in the playoff final in 1990 and still got promoted because Swansea uh, not Swansea, Swindon even. Swindon, uh, Swindon had their, their their financial difficulties, oh, yeah. obviously. Remember and that. we ended up end up getting there. But it was the playoff semi-final that all the Sunderland fans will tell you about because we beat That's the, the one with the loads of goals in, wasn't it? Is no, that, that I'm was sure it was a Sunderland game. That was Charlton, oh, wasn't it? Yeah. Was Sorry. Yeah. We lost that one as well. But um <laughs> yeah, we, we lose a lot at Wembley too. But I, I, I like I like just being there <laughs> and seeing mm, like, yeah. my club's badge. But moving on to <laughs> A slightly smaller ground here at yes. uh, obviously the new meadow. I'm I'm going on Saturday and it's the first time for me, obviously, because it's been a while since we played and I was way too young the last time we played, and I believe it's a new ground. But um yeah, different ground, yeah. Been a lot of talk about um I think Swansea came out and said it was a sellout today and it was ten thousand. And I seen somebody reply to it and said, But we can't handle ten thousand. I haven't heard about a, a sellout. So when it comes to no. Shrewsbury, ten thousand have have we packed it out a little bit too much? Have you overestimated what you? No, it's, it's, it's not a sellout. It's West Mercia Police being a bunch of idiots and sending out tweets with the wrong information in. Essentially, you've sold your end out. 
that sold out. Yes. We've sold out one of the ends pretty much behind our goal. That sold out. But the rest of our stadium is still open and we were selling tickets today. I believe at this moment in time, we've sold 7,500 tickets, including both teams. And our capacity is about 9,000, probably, probably down to about 9,600 with a bit of stewarding and netting off that they've probably put in your end. So we can't even, we can only get 9,600, not not quite 10,000. Um, so it'll be our biggest sense of the season and probably one of the biggest we have this season, but it won't be a sellout. We, we, when we had big clubs coming down in the last few years from League One, we really struggled to sell it out. I think we got over 8,000 for Blackburn and Wigan and um, who else did we have down in the last few years? Bolton. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see it a bit more above that. I'd probably aim at being around somewhere 8,500, something like that. Almost sold out, but not quite. And it, and it's quite a distance. I was reading it's quite a distance from the train station. And I, I know this is totally nothing to do with the game, but it's probably going to be <coughs> handy information for me and others. Yeah, I've been yeah. told to get a taxi from the ground. Yeah, I think you might have to. I mean, there are shuttle buses, um, and the bus station's right by the train station. And if you go onto the Shoes website, there is a like travel plan on there, and it gives you the information about how to get the buses. But I mean, to be honest with you, it depends what time you're getting down. If you if you're coming on train, one of the better ideas is to actually sort of go into the town centre, one of the pubs there and, and have a drink and then um, sort of get a taxi after that, if that makes sense, because the pubs even up by the ground are not brilliant in all honesty. So, um, yeah, that might be one of the better ideas, I think. But, yeah, it's out of, gra- it's out of town. We used to have a, a stadium called Gay Meadow right in the town centre, which everybody loved, but it was so decrepit. It was sort of a, a, a sort of, yeah, I don't know, a millstone around the neck of the football club. It used to flood because of the river. And, um, yeah, we, we had to basically get get moving on from it, really. So, yeah, the new stadium's far out of town. It is a nice little new modern stadium. Um, people call it the Lego Stadium, but it's a bit unfair, that, to be honest with you. But, yeah, I, I don't know. We had to move for the, for the sake of the club. And I think it's one of the reasons why we now are an established League One club is because, you know, we made that move at the right time. We, we sold it when land values were quite high and we've ended up with a, with a nice little stadium and we're one of the very few football clubs in the football league that runs without debt and has money in the bank. So it's it's sorted us out as a football club, really. And moving on to the team, what are we to expect? I know you're not too happy with things at the minute, <laughs> but, but let, let, let's have a, a view of what's going on at Shrews because I've looked at your results and you've got a 6-0 win in there, you've got a 2-1 defeat, you've got a couple of draws, you've got more defeats, not too many wins. What's nope. going on? Not a lot. <laughs> um, uh, it's been a bit of a strange season. So I indicated that obviously John Askey came in and, um, you know, I think expectations were probably raised a little bit because of last season and also because we sold um, Toto Nasala and John Nolan to Ipswich. So obviously they followed Paul Hurst for two million quid. Um, and then Ryan Woods left uh, Brentford and moved to Stoke for seven million quid, which we had a big sell on fee for because he was one of our youth prospects. And also at the same point this summer, we um, Brighton sold Connor Goldson to Rangers as well. Um, and he was another one of our, our um, youth prospects that had been at Brighton for a while. And we had a salon fee for there. So we accrued quite a lot of money. So this summer we spent, we broke our transfer record for a player, which is laughably only 300,000. I'm sure that doesn't seem like a lot to a Sunderland fan, but for us, that's quite a lot. For these yeah. Days, yeah, most definitely. I think we only spent over on Charlie White this season. So these there days, yes, we haven't got too much of a pot to piss in, but probably <laughs> more significant than some teams, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised if your wage bill isn't probably 10 times higher than ours is this season. But that's the way it goes. That's what the, what, what the competitive league you're in now, we are in, and, and that's what happens when these big teams come down. But yeah, so we broke our transfer record. So sort of expectations were probably a little bit higher. I think, you know, my initial pre-season expectations was that we'd be in the top half, maybe not playoffs, but, you know, at least having a reasonable season. 
And we started with a sort of club equaling worst start to the season after six games. We hadn't won. I think we didn't get our first win until the ninth league game this season. Um, could be, could even have been the tenth, I think. And um, we've only won two since then. Obviously, we're at thirteen. Um, so there was a little bit of a recovering form from that poor start, but it's kind of all been set back by um, the game on Saturday against Fleetwood, where we'd, we'd almost taken one step forward and went to Fleetwood. And the manager played a mad tactic. He played four four two. He even admitted he made a massive mistake at the end of the game. And I think that that was a bit of a signalling of a sort of turning of the Shrewsbury Town fans. And we're very, very patient bunch. You know, I don't think in my time going, we've ever handed a manager out. We've never been this down on a manager after such an early period. But that kind of gives you an indication really as to how a lot of our fans are thinking and that it's just not been good enough in all honesty. And, and a lot of it goes down to some of the players. They've they've not been they've not been good enough. A lot of it goes down to John Askey as a manager. He doesn't seem to have the I'm just going on the general vibe. What I fancy, we just quite quite seem to have that sort of leadership mentality. I don't know. It, it's a bit hard to put a finger on it, but yeah, it's it's been a very really weird season because the games we played well in, we've missed chances and drawn, and the games we played poor in, we we've, we've been quite close and only lost by one goal. So it's it's been very strange. But yeah, I'm not expecting a lot out of the next couple of games. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, I think we were talking about you know Sunderland and. Yes, we've only lost one game, but a lot of our games have been closer than you can imagine. I think there's only been yeah. Scunthorpe and, uh, off the top of my head, Rochdale that we've really kind of blew away. It seems like mm-hmm. if we score early, we tend to put teams away pretty early, but there's a lot of games where we've had to come from behind this, this year. Um, so my fear with any team in League One from what I've seen so far is, is if they're big and they're brash and they're kind of don't play it on the floor. They're just kind of League One-esque. But I get the feeling because, and I don't know if we're just biased here because I feel like better teams play better football, but I feel like yeah. you're more a team on the floor, aren't you? You're not so much yes. big, brash League One no. bruises. No, that's very true, actually. Um, it's not getting the results, though. That is half the problem yeah. because the big, brash... Um, hit Amir and bash Amir and get right in their faces. The sorts of teams that not don't do well in this league, in all honesty, you still find that the cream rises to the top. If you look at League One last season, you know Blackburn, Wigan, Rotherham, ourselves were all the best, probably the best footballing teams in the division. None of them were really, they were physical and they were strong, but they were good footballing teams with good footballers. Like we had John Nolan, who was just a pleasure to watch, a real class act on the ball, great range of passing, you know, and, and the sort of player that will go on to do well. And you can say that about a couple of the players last year. But this season, we, we are trying to do that, but it's just not quite clicking again. Um, and unlike last season, we had a very consistent formation and a very consistent team last year. This season, ASCII's changed. We played four different formations in the last four games and we've chopped and changed the players quite a lot. I mm. think that lack of consistency and that lack of um, sort of getting to know each other and, and being familiar with that tactic is probably costing us a little bit at the moment from turning some of these draws into what should have been wins because we played a lot of the teams down the bottom around us, um, particularly at home. Some of the teams that haven't scored very many like us and we've just not been able to put them away. There's Bradford who are down the bottom, Blackpool, um, Gillingham. Um, they're, they're not great teams and we've really, we've really struggled at times to put them away and at other times in the games been second best which was a big concern so yeah we do try to play and you're not going to get too much physicality because we, we do play quite a lot of tricky skillful players um but yeah I, I think that I would say in all in defensive league one having been watching it for the last five years you know pretty consistently you don't get that as much as you do in league two the big brash football you, you tend to get a fair few more teams I think more than average trying to play football it's not as bad a standard I think you maybe will notice that as you go through as as maybe you were led to believe when you were watching a championship and a premiership team it can be good football at times and the refs are know, still shit though <laughs> <laughs> we've come across some teams that are kind of total brutes all right and fewer teams that have 
passed it around, but it's te- tend to be the teams that are brutes that causes the bigger problems. That the teams who pass it on the floor, we've actually more than matched and, and bettered in most parts. Yeah. But I, I was looking through your team, and what's quite interesting, yes, you have the experience in there. You've got Sadler's up there. You've got um, Simon, Simon Whaley, I think it is, you've got there. Sean well. Wally. Uh, Sean Wally, that's the game. That's yeah. the guy. Um, obviously, you've got the players that are over the age of you know, over thirty. But when you look through your team, you've got a play, a lot of a lot of players and names that I recognise that are young boys. Like one that sticks out to me, and it's just because I live in in Glasgow and my, my well, my Scottish family yeah. are Rangers supporters. But yeah, you've got uh, Doherty here, uh, the yes. club as well on loan. Now we were linked to him, and I was actually quite excited by that. Not because I think he's been great for Rangers. Actually, he's been kind of average maybe not mm. as good as expected but um he's a young boy he's 22 he's box to box full of energy and you've also got Norburn there as well so the yep. midfield looks the tastiest to me would I be right in assuming yep. that uh, you would be completely right I mean just to give a summary of our, our team the defense is solid enough for league one you know it wouldn't get us relegated the midfield's probably a little bit just above average maybe on, on the verge to being exceptional when they're on their game but the striking options and the goals that we've got on our team is very is, is bottom five it's terrible we will not mm. score many goals this season so the midfield does stand out um, one of the problems is with our team is we're slightly lopsided so we tend I think ASCII's preferred formation is is four five one. so he's got a lot of central midfielders in through the door but we can only obviously play a maximum three of them um, so Generally, our starting three midfielders have been um, Anthony Grant, who came from Peterborough and who's just a class sitting um, defensive midfielder. He's been really good, probably the standout player of our, our opening section of the season. And then we've got three more attacking players, of which Greg Doherty and Norburn, as you've mentioned, the two of them, and another guy called Josh Laurent, who played for Wigan last year in League One. Um, and all three of those more attacking central midfielders are good. I'd say, you know, Doherty and Norburn probably stand out a little bit above Laurent, but maybe that's harsh. But the problem is we can only ever play two of them. So they're never getting any consistency of playing the two in front of Grant all the time. So all three of them are talented boys and Doherty has stood out of being maybe the best of all of them, yet he is apt to miss out games and it's not helped his development this season. Um, and it's I don't think it's helped us because he's the one with probably the most energy and drive in terms of being the one that will make that extra man up in the box. And we've missed that at times. We missed it at Fleetwood. He was dropped for Fleetwood on Saturday. There's absolutely no danger of him being dropped now. He'll play against Sunderland for sure. Um, so yeah, in some respects, it's, it's sort of a symptom of the unbalanced squad that we've developed. And you can say the same thing about our wingers. We've only got two positions for wingers. But we've got, say, maybe four wingers who are all fairly mix and match. Sean Molly's probably the best of, of all of them. He is a good League One winger. Um, but again, there's no was chopping and changing a little bit and not getting that consistency of the players like we had last year. And as I say, for me, consistency of teams and selection is, is so vital to a team that it is really the, one of the things that's hampering us. Actually, I, I really wanted the boy to be up here, but you mentioned he, was, yeah. he wasn't, so he wasn't injured. So he was... Yeah removed why, why is that because i mean again it's very easy for me to say as the person that will now and again be talking to rangers fans about rangers mm. but um he was the immediate name that stuck out for me and he's, he's a big boy he's young he's athletic strong and if you bring a boy in for on loan you, you expect him to be in the team you're not going to loan someone to sit on the bench so so why was he dropped <laughs> i don't know that's john asky no one really seems to know i mean we had we had a striker called lee angle who's probably our most prolific striker if you will and yeah. he scored four in four games or four in five games something like that and then suddenly again at fleetwood because we went with this stupid 4-4-2 formation which meant we could only play two of the four central midfielders so at that point grant was ill and doherty missed out on saturday so again it's it's because we've got all oliver norburn and laurent who are also good players as well they're not on loan but they're, they're also good players so it's it's trying to get all 
all these good players that we have in those central midfield areas and, and the wingers as well, which is, as I said, our strongest point probably, we just can't fit them in every week. And, and as I say, that's the reason he was dropped. It wasn't poor performance. He'd been good in the games he played. He scored two goals. He's been man of the match twice, I think. So it's not like he hasn't been playing well in, you know, in the games that he's been playing. But for, for whatever reason, to do with weather conditions, I think John Askey was banging on about or just wanted a little bit more control of the game. He, he decided Doherty would miss out. But I think that the clamour from the fans after the, the game we had on Saturday against Fleetwood for Doherty to play means that we'll go back to that 4-5-1 this week. He'll play three of them. And, and I suspect that if I was to guess, maybe Norburn might miss out this week. But it's, it's really hard because there's always going to be one of those players missing out. Um, and, it, and it makes it very difficult. So, yeah. But Askey comes out with some strange things in his interviews as to why players did or didn't play. Um, and as I say, this angle will score four goals and then he got dropped for no real reason. And his, his reason for it was poor performance. Well, town fans have been watching him play. He'd been played out of position slightly in a, in a slightly different formation. He'd score goals. To us, he'd been playing well. But obviously, we're not football managers, are we? And so you have to take the manager on, on face value, I suppose, on things like that. And I'm looking through, I mean, I'm I'm getting more and more up to date. We're like, what, 12 games in now. I'm starting yeah. to understand the league a bit more. I'm starting, like, when you first come in, like, you, you know certain teams and certain players, but when you drop that fast, I've mentioned this a few times, it's not <laughs> it's not ignorance. You just don't know what's in that league. You, you have no, no idea. It's, it's uncharted territory. But I'm beginning to keep an eye out for certain teams and, and watch the foot the because I do this I, I try to watch the form and see how it's going and by all accounts you were absolutely terrible at Fleetwood 2-0 down at half time is that right yeah so this was um this was probably our worst 45 minutes of, of the season and like we I said a lot of our games have been close and we'd been unlucky we'd given a few penalties away that cost us wins and we could have had uh, sorry cost us a win and we ended up getting a draw um we'd been given a lot of gifty kind of goals away to teams as well but the, the Fleetwood performance was comprehensively terrible in the first half um and I know you don't mind swearing on this podcast but I will frame because I could have said 10, 10 swear words about that but it <laughs> but it was this was the problem in that the, the why the fans have suddenly changed a little bit towards ASCII because previously for the last couple of weeks he'd been tearing the players up a little bit for lack of effort and a lack of desire which not a great 13 week 13 games into a season is it you know for very managed to be saying that about players that he bought to the football club because he had a fresh slate pretty much um but he decided to play 4-4-2 at Fleetwood who are not a bad team under Joe Barton this season uh, are known for having a, a decent midfield that you know you need to keep a, a track on and he decided to dispense with the, the with the shield I know Anthony Grant was uh, ill this week, so that's why he didn't play the Shield and we probably would have played our normal formation, but he could have played one of the other guys in that formation. As it was, Fleetwood just rampaged through us in the first half and it was embarrassingly poor. And a lot of our fans obviously were able to use the iFollow this week because it was an international weekend. So yeah. it wasn't like it was only the 400, 450 town fans that were there that witnessed it and saw how bad it was. You also had a lot of town fans at home watching it on TV, which hasn't helped. So it was bad and then he ha- he had to make changes at half time and he made a loaded that he made two changes i think and then he changed the tactic and it just made us more solid and we got one back in the second half and we could have nicked a point out of it but in fairness that would have been harsh on fleetwood um because they they were the better team across the piece but um yeah so at the end of the interview we at end of the game he came out and gave an interview and said i got it wrong today which is fair enough he, he fronted up to it but i just i just don't like the way some of the things are going at the club this this year under Askey and um yeah, he's at fault for a lot of things going on and it's it's the first time he's admitted fault, but there's been a few things he could have come out and said that about. Like I say, I'm beginning to learn more, but I'm still I'm still infantile when it comes League to... League One League Virgin, one. you are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm a massive League One Virgin, very much so. And when I look through, like you, you can only really look at your games and I look at the yeah. last 
six. And that was coming on the back of three clean sheets, a 6 0 win in the cup. Fair enough. But a good 1 0 win over Akron and Stanley as well. So, But they were down to 10 men, to be fair. They got a man to offer to 10 minutes. And in the first 10 minutes, Stanley at home battered us. They could have been 2 0 up, to be honest with you. And it looked for all the world like we were going to get smashed that day. And then for some reason, their keeper came out and karate kicked one of our players in the head. And even then, with 80 minutes against 10 men, we huffed and puffed and struggled to score a goal and we eventually got one, one, one nil. So on the face value, as, as a you know, someone that's just looking at results like yourself, yeah, you thought, well, that's a good result for you. Maybe Accrington, Accrington been doing well. But for us, it was still a bit of a a bit a bit of a huff and a puff, and it wasn't a sparkling performance against him. And let's put it like that. They had chances to get, at least get a point out of it, which was a bit frightening. I love that little segment that you said that, that to me that was League One. We got battered, there could have been two nil up, then our keeper got kicked in the head, <laughs> and then we just cuffed and puffed and scored in one. But we probably yeah. probably quite lucky. But then before yeah. that, you had a draw against Walsall. Walsall are doing well. So on paper, Shrewsbury looks a tougher game than I anticipated. Um, yeah, but on paper it's different though, because even Walsall. Mm. I, I say I go to pretty much every game. Um, I say I love five minutes down the road from the home games, and you know I go to most of the away games. And if I can't make it, like I couldn't make Fleetwood unfortunately because of various reasons. So I watched it on TV. But I think I've only missed four games, and that was because when Holly at the start of the season. But I went to Walsall, and again on paper, good result, but. You know, Walsall missed an absolute shed load of chances in that game. And again, it's a game we probably should have lost, but we did all right to hang on in there and get a point. So it's it's tricky because at the start of the season, we said, oh, Shrewsbury did poorly against, um, I think it was maybe Bradford or one of the early games where we did play really well, but cocked it up and only got a point. So we've been a very, very hard team to read um, is sort of the general media perception of Shrewsbury this season in that our good results haven't been quite as good as you might have thought and our poor results haven't been quite as bad as you would have thought. So it's, it's been, I say, even as someone that does a podcast on Shrewsbury Town, I'm still struggling after 13 league games, whatever it is, 16 actual games, to really get a bead on what this team is, where they're headed and, and what we really should be expecting for the rest of the season. It's, it's really, really tricky to figure out. Normally you've got it licked by now. The beauty of looking through your fixtures as well is I've just noticed something which kind of, it shouldn't please me, but it does. I've <laughs> looked at your next two games. You've got us at home on Saturday. You've got Barnsley at home on the Tuesday. Yeah. Now, two home games, you want to be picking up points, but you're also, without blowing our own trumpet, one of the favourites in the league, as are Barnsley, who are yeah. slowly doing quite well. So I suppose the beauty of Saturday is that if you do get beat, you've still got a game to put it right against a pretty decent team, which which brings me on this Saturday. Everyone I've spoke to from a Shrewsbury perspective has been pretty downbeat, <laughs> um, for want of a better word. We're, we're, we're pretty confident in away games. I mean, it's my first away game of the season, but I mean, I've watched the majority of games now where ends have been buzzing. We, we're loving being in this. We're, we're actually yeah. competing in games. We're winning games. There's players on the pitch that we can connect with. Chris Maguire, I love Chris Maguire. I would marry Chris Maguire, actually. <laughs> but, um, 12 games, and I never thought I'd say that about anyone. Um, but that's what happens when you, you you lose Jack Rodwell and bring in someone who wants to wear the shirt. But, <laughs> he did turn up eventually, did he, Jack Rodwell? Where did you find him? Yeah, he, he's he got a Blackburn and actually got man of the match in the last <laughs> game. But he, I'm, I'm sure that's he'll awesome. play for, for England one day at centre-off as he so attests. <laughs> the absolute, absolute nut bucket. Um, but Sunderland on Saturday, I, I suppose, you know, you mentioned before, uh, big team, big away following. I know the answer to this, I think, based on the conversation we've had previously, but <laughs> are, are you fearsome of us? And is there anyone that you fear from us? Yeah, I, I think the club, the club's not in crisis, but the, the team and, and the manager have got to be a little bit like fearing the next two games. Not just you, you know, as you say, Barnsley are, 
are probably one of the favourites for, for the league, just like yourselves. And I yeah. listened to the D, D3, D4 podcast. I don't know if you've come across that yet in League One. They cover sort of the bottom two leagues. They're, they're a really good podcast on the bottom leagues in football. And it's, I'd say it's well worth listening to them. Um, but, you know, they've been hyping up Barnsley for the last few weeks on their podcast as well. Obviously, they've been doing fantastic. Um, so... I'm quite fearful of both games, in, in perf- to be perfectly honest with you. And our local press are saying, well, you know, we're not expected to get out of these games and we shouldn't really judge John Askey on this if we come through it with zero points, which is slightly frightening considering we're already 17th and two points above the relegation zone. You'd think that if we got zero from the next two home games, one, Askey might be on the verge then of, of being having to go and two, we'd probably be back in the relegation zone with over a quarter of the season gone, which is which is terrible, to be honest. Um, so I, I'm fearing, fearing it a little bit. I mean... On our, on our Salopcast podcast that we did on Sunday night, we do our predictions and I went for us to lose 4-1 and my co-host went for us to lose 3-0. So there's a fairly good judgment of what kind of scoreline we were expecting. Um, and I think having gone on a day from the game at Fleetwood, because I was obviously very miffed about that, I think I could revise my estimate and I think we might only lose 3-0. So there you go, slightly one one goal, slightly less. But yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be um, a Shrewsbury Town victory. At, at best, we could hope to scrap our way to a very, very defensively minded um, four five one performance against you guys, and just hope that you you don't bring your shooting boots and and hope for a draw. And if we got that, it'd be pretty decent for us. To be honest with you, I just I can't see us. I, c- I cannot see us scoring more goals than you. And I get the feeling you'll get a couple at least. And we've just not got the firepower to to, to match two goals in the game at the moment. We really really are struggling. When well, you're mentioning <laughs> that we might actually win on Saturday, and I'm thinking bloody hell, I might be going away from coming back with a victory in the back. I mean, I, I don't go every away game. I go to at least at least five a season away from home. Yeah. I think the last time I've seen us win away from home may well have been, competitively anyway, may well have been Newcastle on the 21st of December in the last minute. No, oh, wow. That, that was a pretty good day. So if we can get... If it can match that, that'd be all I don't right. Think it'll be quite that good. <laughs> no, maybe not. I don't think anything's quite that good. But there you go. No. Um, you give me a prediction, which is good, because that would normally mm. be something I'd come on to. But um, one thing I'm, I'm curious about, because we're still just just to kind of end on, we're still quite a fresh team to Sunderland fans. Really, we're starting to work okay. out which players we like, which players we don't. But um, Chris Maguire is obviously one that's hugely popular at the minute. Uh, Josh Madger, who has been in and around the first team last season and, and kind of got sporadic cup starts when Moyes was here in the Premiership. He's been banging in 9-11, and 11, I think. But it's still quite a new team, sort of back to front, take out Lee Catamull and Matthews. Most of the players haven't been in the team that long or been there that long. So it's quite interesting to see which players from an opposition perspective you're worried about. Is there anyone that you've looked at and thought, oh, shite, he looks all right? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult for us because, as you say, you're sort of learning about um, League One players as you come down and we're sort of learning about players from from these bigger clubs who come down and we haven't really seen it. Some of them play, you know, other than maybe watching them on TV. And as you say, you've had a big churn of players. But I I look at your your squad and I see players, as you mentioned, like um, Charlie White and Chris Maguire, obviously pretty popular. I I noticed that, uh, is it Maja, you said his name was? Yeah, um, Trish Maja, yeah. He's got nine league goals this season, which is pretty much as many as we've scored in total for our team. So that's slightly concerning. But for me, I, when I look down your list, and I think of players who I've seen that I think are good. And I think he might be playing in your team at the moment. I know he's on loan from Wigan. Is Max Power? Does he Is he playing regularly? I'm he's pretty... he's annoyingly Max Power has been suspended twice this season. Oh. He's a bloody idiot. But <laughs> yes, he's, he is one of our better players. But he actually had me forming last week and many fans. Oh, no. He got sent off against Oxford. You could go either way with it, but he, he had a three-game suspension. And of course, the Czech Trade Trophy, I don't know what the deal is with that, but you're suspended, but it doesn't actually count that you're suspended. So I don't know what that means. He so, misses the Czech Trade games, but he doesn't miss league games, basically. 
well, he he missed the checker trade. Well, he had a three-game suspension, but it was a four-game suspension because they classed the checker trade trophy as an extra game. We don't know why. And then the same thing happened again. Yeah, they don't. They don't. So yeah, if you get a league suspension, it doesn't count in the check trade trophy. And if you get a red card in the check trade trophy, you only miss games in the check trade trophy. So it's almost like a completely separate thing now. But he he was actually suspended for the check trade trophy for a red yeah. card. We, yeah, maybe that's changing. We 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 don't even know. I I don't know how <laughs> to explain this. Nobody does, t- to be honest with you. But he came back against Bradford. I mean, he's one of our better. He's probably, in my opinion, our best midfielder. But he's good. Yeah. By the time he gets back from suspension, he'll have been suspended for nine games and played <laughs> six games for us. In so he very much, it, it's beginning to become apparent why he plays in League One. And I think it's because <laughs> he's a dafty. I think it's because he's a total dafty. But yes, um, Charlie White, you mentioned as well, who's our big summer sign, and he's out with a, a knee injury. But to be honest with you, we haven't missed him with Josh yeah. Knight in the front. Yeah. I say I say Max Power because obviously we played Wigan and we were battling at the top of the league with Wigan and Blackburn last year and you know um, Blackpool had Dak who's doing really well in the in the championship this season as yeah. well um, and Wigan had Max Power they had a lot of good players Wigan um, but Max Power always stood out in the two games we played against them and obviously we were looking at Wigan's results most season and I think you're right about your your summation of him and as someone that's been watching him the last couple of years his combative style and the and the drive and the, and the sort of physicality that he brings in that central midfield is good he's a good player as well do you know what I mean? he's a bit of a baller yeah. but you know he clearly is absolutely nuts <laughs> and just yeah. cannot keep his head and you kind of don't mind that in some respects as long as it's not costing you in games because you want to see players with that drive and passion to pay for the club but there's a there's a limit isn't there you've got to you've got to rein it in just a little bit and we had a similar problem with Anthony Grant in that he's always been well known in, in sort of lower league football has been a really good solid central defense central midfielder who sits in front of us of the center backs but he gets sent off a lot because he's always making committed challenges Funnily enough, this season he seems to have reined that in a little bit and he's been quite, um, I think he's only had two or three bookings and he hasn't had a red card yet. So, you know, never mind. Maybe, and he's, because he's got older into his career, really, he's into his 30s and you'd like to think that maybe one day the penny will drop with someone like Max Power and you'll have an absolutely class player on your hands. It's a, It's been a funny season. We had Max Power had never been sent off throughout his career. He's been sent off twice within four games or something <laughs> for some six games. Uh, Lee Catamore, yes, he's had a one suspension, but he hasn't been sent off. But he's been scoring like, he scored like three goals and Catamore scored, I think, three in about nine years. But he's an absolute goal machine this season. So <laughs> may, maybe we just switched. Maybe they just switched faces. It's the whole face of Nicolas Cage, John Travolta thing going on. Max Power's <laughs> actually Lee Catmull. Lee Catmull's actually Max Power. But hey, you know what? As long as they're both playing well, I don't mind if they switch their faces. And I don't even know what I'm talking about now. I've gone off on a right tangent. <laughs> um, so you you took us for a... You said a 3-0, didn't you? you said yeah, I said 4... I saw 4-1 in the week on our podcast, but I revised it down to 3-0 because I'm just thinking back to how toothless we look a lot of the time. Um, and... Yeah, we, we scored at the weekend, but we were sort of going hell for leather at 2-0 down. We, we had to get back in that game and, and Fleetwood did switch off. To be fair to Joey Barton, he'd be out for our manager, tactically. Um, I don't know if he played Fleetwood yet, and that would be quite a, a tasty affair, I should imagine, with, with when you play them, with Joey Barton's Newcastle connections, I suppose. But um, oh, we had doing pretty well. To be oh, you played them already? Okay, there you go. Oh, I had, his, his, his mouth was ran, as always. But <laughs> it's, it's just an example of one, of one of those people that listens way too much to the Smiths and thinks he has a brain. But <laughs> um, Joey Barton will never be on my Christmas list, no. But yes, he seems to be doing all right. 
but I'm sure we'll yeah. smash them later on in the season. I'll take that. You'd like to think so, but yeah, he completely outthought our manager who's been in the game, you know, for 25 years and is, you know, in his mid 50s, which was a slightly, slightly concerning that a sort of guy that had been managing a team for only his 13th game was was that tactically astute. And he was, to be fair, probably not going to hear any, anything positive about him, but he, nah, he came across as pretty, pretty tactically smart in the game. Which he's is an weird. annoying bloke because yeah. he, he, he talks the talk, and, and, and unfortunately for Joey Barton, in a lot of situations, it very rarely comes back to bite him on the bloody arse. And that's mm. what's annoying about Joey Barton because he's never actually achieved anything. But when he runs his mouth about something, he tends to annoyingly be right. And I think that's what pisses me off more than anything else about him, you know. But whatever, yeah. you know, I'm sure <laughs> playing for England and then no disrespect to Fleetwood, but then managing Fleetwood, you know, I'm sure his expectations of where he thinks he should be have been brought down a peg or two. But yeah, nonetheless, my prediction mm. for Saturday. Go on. I'll take 2-1 Sunderland because I think we'll win. <laughs> I think we'll I think win. you'll win. But I think our defence is terrible. We've got one clean sheet all season. So I think you'll get something. But, uh, you know, looking through your team, like I said before, your midfield has players there that I think, all right. But up front, there's not too many goals. So yeah, where we've, we're quite the opposite. We, we like, we concede every game but we score a decent amount so yeah i'll take i'll take 2-1 i think that's fair i think i think it's it's almost like for, for a team like us when we played last year we we would've been we would've been confident in well, we were confident when blackburn and wigan came to us we we took four points out of those two games um and we were confident about giving you know the bigger teams a bloody nose because we were well drilled they knew what they were doing they never gave up they were fit as fiddles and fitness is probably a little bit worse than it was this time last year as well and and we just would win games in the 90th minute whereas recently we've been sort of you know lacking that little bit of extra drive in the last five minutes of games so even if it's tight if you can keep your fitness and your drive and your you're the ones that are showing that will to win you know you're more than likely would break us down late on anyway even if it was a tight game and but as i said to you before is there's no doubt we won't play a, a formation that is designed to contain you rather than attack you and i think that might might be over the course of the season one of the things you'll go away from League One thinking is that man a lot of teams were very negative and defensive and the football wasn't that good but unfortunately supporting someone like Sunderland and we had this with Blackburn Bolton and and Wigan over the last few years is that you will find that pretty much all the teams from 6th or 7th down who are not having good seasons and are real attritional teams will play defensive containing formations against you and will give you a very different view of how they put how differently they might play the rest of the season Um, and it, it is noticeable being a team that doesn't ever have anyone do that to us so um, apart from last season a little bit so yeah maybe a little thing for you to keep an eye on because we, we generally see teams trying to contain the bigger teams at this division well hopefully we can break it down hopefully I get to see Sunderland when I truly break the uh, truly break the duck of seeing Sunderland actually win competitive games home and away but I'm sure I'm sure we'll cross paths on Saturday um, I've got yeah, a long okay. old, a long old trek but thanks very much for coming on bud it's always nice when the opposition fans are depressed and we're not um, <laughs> I hope you have a truly awful Saturday, but I wish you luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you very much. I would just say one last thing and, and you know, I wish you a oh, safe yeah. trip and stuff. Um, yeah, if you do end up coming to the ground early, say you're on a coach from Sunderland or something, there's a they actually have a fan zone at the stadium. So if you ah. want to have a drink outside, there's a there's a basically a shipping container we've turned into a stage. There's live music from sort of half one, quarter to two. Um, so there's a band playing, there's there's food, there's drink. Um, and to be fair, you know, we've had away fans come around there most most times, especially with the big games. It's always a good atmosphere. There's bouncers knocking around, but we've never had any trouble at the fan zone. And I don't expect Sunderland fans to come and cause any trouble. So I'd just say that to your fans, if they, if they want somewhere to come and sort of mingle and even talk to 
to a home fan and you know maybe do what we've done find a little bit more out about league one and Shrewsbury then you're more than welcome and we were quite a friendly bunch so um I'd just say that as well and I would just say the other thing I, I want to make Sunderland fans aware we're coming to the game is that if you are there and you look across to the um the stand behind the goal you'll see England's first safe standing area um which we opened at the start of the summer oh. um yeah, so it'll give you an idea of what safe standing might look like in case you ever bring it to um, the stadium alight. And for us, it's been an absolute, um, you know, a bit of a, a revelation, really, in terms of us being the first club to do it and the pride we've got in that. But also, it's it's helped increase the atmosphere at our games. And that's that section is sold out for Saturday because people just want to stand. And you're probably very similar. You know, you might yeah. have been stuck in your seat stadium watching Premiership games for years now, but we still have had the ability to, you know, stand on terraces down the lower leagues for a while. But even our stadium was all-seater because it was one of the, the new Taylor Report stadiums. And yeah, it's, it's open. And, and it will give your guys um, maybe something to take back and report to your, your CEO or whatever and say, come on, we want this, guys. It's it's the, it's the future. <laughs> we're, we're, we're loving going through all these different divisions and safe standing is something me personally, I fully back. I didn't know that. So thank you for letting us know. We, yeah. have, a, we have a fan zone as well. I was just getting better. So yes, if the ground's Good. that far away, wherever the beer is closest to the ground, I think that's where I'll be going. Um, but yes, like I said, don't, <laughs> don't enjoy your Saturday, but um, hopefully bring yeah. you, my friend. Um, and good luck no for the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on. Yes, same to you. Enjoy your trip down and uh, maybe we'll catch up before the away game as well. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Good stuff. So that's the end of the Shrewsbury Extra podcast. Yes, as, as you may have heard, I'm going to the match on Saturday. I'm actually quite excited for that. I've, I've been dying to go to some of these league games, but truth be told, I have a lot of stuff outside of stuff. I've managed to actually clear my schedule and get myself down to Shrewsbury on Saturday. It's it's been positive, hasn't it? We're all looking forward to these away games. Coventry a few weeks ago looked brilliant. Bradford looked brilliant. Gillingham looked brilliant. I love League One. I bloody love it. So hopefully, I'm still buzzing about it on Saturday. But thanks for tuning in as always. Nice to be back. Nice to be chatting to you. I'm sure you've preferred me to Connor and maybe uh, maybe Lawson. But if not, feel free to let me know in the comments and I'll make sure I fuck off for next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.